Like, are you actually covering Van Halen or something else? I'm actually covering Van Halen. Okay. I have trust issues now because... <laughs> and you I, caused the trust I issues. I caused the trust issues. Exactly. <laughs> I was telling Leah during our little interlude, that it was the only way. It was the, I had a Trojan horse in Slipknot because I would have gotten... It would have been a strong no well, Just wait until I cover the Wiggles one day. Good it's God. it's happening because there's some drama in the oh, Wiggles. Oh, God. You gotta, you gotta pull another Trojan horse moment. Okay. Like it just has to come surprised because I'm sure you sitting through Slipknot, you're like, Ugh. I'm like, I have no idea what is happening right now. <laughs> so yeah, I deserve it. I deserve it. I wish I didn't tell you this because I, I realized this would have been a good cold open, but I couldn't think of anything else. So we're just going to roll with it. Okay. Explain to me how I predicted oh, that yes. Rihanna was going to be in the halftime show. That's very weird. It is very strange, guys, because I'm not kidding you. And this is documented. This is a documented text. I had a dream last week that Rihanna was doing the halftime Super Bowl show and she like brought in some of her Fenty like lingerie modeling too. We're going to get a halftime makeup tutorial. And literally it happened and it freaks me out freaks me out i don't understand it, my the my favorite part of that whole saga though was on fr- it was announced on sunday 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 um on friday literally in the span of an hour it was taylor swift rumored to be 2023 super bowl halftime show confirmed taylor swift super bowl halftime show denied TMZ <laughs> confirms that taylor swift will not be performing at the halftime show this was like in the span of an hour wow and twitter was all in a tizzy and then we were everyone just got like kind of mutually agreed that they weren't going to announce it this early because it is really early in the football season normally it's announced yeah. in like late december early january yeah. and then the next day it was like rihanna yeah because they, they were like all right let's go ahead and <laughs> let the cat out of bag no absolutely and then also in the twitter sphere um gerard way is just killing it fucking gerard way man he's he, been a bat he's been a ghost he's been some kind of like sailor moon character today and there's this one video of him with like it on flipping his hair. yeah gerard way man he has not worn a single outfit twice i love it so much like i sincerely believe there's new music coming there's gotta be there has to be with the swarm and the the man on fire on their merch trailer like what, I, what the hell i will is that? not believe i will not believe that there is not a new album coming if, and if there is not i'm gonna be pissed if they haven't started it i feel like they will after this because yeah. they're they're just having a blast on this and tour also like the internet is going nuts oh yeah nuts over this tour i love following mcr tour updates Josh Lear was like, oh, did you know he dressed up as this at Riot Fest? I'm like, Josh. We were like, we saw that two days ago. Listen, <laughs> I, I usually Leah is the one who always updates me of things. It's it's reversed. Like, well, she still does not update me of things. But this time I actually know. That like, Gerard was a ghost. I knew this before Josh. And that that is that tells you how much I love this band. I, if and we Gerard. can get a new Paramore album and a new MCR album in the year 2023. Gosh, that'd be amazing. This is my prediction. We're, I, we're def- I feel like we're almost definitely getting a new Paramore album, though. Yeah. There's oh, a single yeah, 100%. coming out. I saw a tweet today that said, Jesus returns in two days, parentheses, Paramore's new music. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel. Uh, that, that, that is fair. Although, fuck Ticketmaster. That is all I have to say about that. Yeah. 
No this kidding. is the second episode in a row where I'm dragging Ticketmaster. I don't think I it's ever going to stop. Don't feel bad about it because they did the f- stupid verified fan thing. They announced a show in New York City and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to enter because it's the only show on the East Coast. Yeah. The next closest show is in Atlanta um, for this like mini tour. And I was like, I'll enter just for the hell of it. I don't know a single person who got actually verified. Everyone I know is on the wait list. That's stupid. That's the fucking point. That's stupid. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. I'm Bethann. And I'm Leah. And this is She Will Rock You. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, hold up, before I haunt you, let me turn down the thermostat. <laughs> this is bad. We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will Rock You. Bum, 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 da, 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 da. That's not our theme song. No, but it's a theme song. For who? For Van Halen. Oh, okay. Which has been stuck in my head for like four. I'm days tracking now. with you now. I listened to it like four times today. Um, it is finally time. Van Halen has been on the list since we started this podcast. <laughs> like <laughs> what three and a half years ago yeah. now. We 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 whittle our way through that list very slowly. Yes, and the time is right. The time has come to talk about Van Halen. I originally thought, oh, this one won't be that long because, I don't know, I just didn't think it was going to be that long, and now it's 11 pages, so the minute you texted me. me. The minute you texted me yesterday and you're like, I think it's only going to be like seven or eight pages, I knew you were lying. I knew that was a lie. I cannot write a short outline. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, I don't think we have anything else to talk about, so we're going to jump right into it because there's 11 pages. Uh, not really any trigger warnings in this one. It's more just drama, but like there's trigger drugs. warning for drama. There's drugs. There's always eh, drugs. Drugs, yeah. And this show has a permanent drugs warning. <laughs> if you're <laughs> listening to this show and you don't want to hear about drugs, get off our just, podcast. Just turn it off. So the Van Halen brothers were born in Amsterdam. The Netherlands. I didn't know that. Alex Van Halen was born in 1953 and Eddie was born in 1955. Their father was a Dutch jazz pianist, clarinetist, and saxophonist. Wow. Their mother was an Indo-Eurasian woman from the island of Java in the Dutch East Indies. I can guarantee you I'm going to butcher the island's name, so just just take my word for it. Um, So unfortunately... The Dutch people did not take kindly to a mixed race relationship in the 1950s. And so in 1962, they packed up the whole family, moved to the U.S., and they settled in Pasadena, California. Mm. The boys, they were I think they were six and eight at the time when they moved. They did not speak English as a first language and barely spoke English at all. So they were considered minority students in their school and were heavily bullied by the white students. Jeez. Which is just extra stupid because they're white. Like, yeah. they just don't speak English. Kids are mean. Um, so th- their parents had this dream that the boys would grow up to be classical musicians. How'd that dream go? About as well as you expect. They, they put them in music classes and young Edward soon began learning classical piano by ear. And he became so proficient that he won the annual piano recital contest for like three years in a row, Jeez. but couldn't read sight music. <laughs> All right, prodigy, go off. Or sight read sheet music. He would instead watch, I don't know how, he watched tapes of people playing Bach or Mozart and would just play it that way. What? Yes. He faked his way to win three 
three piano competitions this way. That's impressive. Yeah. It, it almost seems like it's harder than if you just learned the sight music. <laughs> Probably. To be quite honest with you. It might be. Don't tell Eddie that. Um, so, his, like I said, the parents really wanted the, them to grow up to be classical pianists. So, of course, they gravitated towards rock music. They began playing music together in the 1960s. Eddie started on drums and Alex started on guitar. But Eddie would be busy delivering newspapers to pay off the drum set. And so Alex would sneak over and play his drums Aww. and vice versa. Like Eddie would steal Alex's guitar when he wasn't home. And finally, they just got like really mad at each other. And Eddie told Alex, OK, fine. You play the drums and I'll play your guitar. And then that's just how it went for the rest of their lives. <laughs> this is an interesting side note. Um, so Josh's family does future farmers of America, uh-huh. like they're into agriculture. And his parents were like, Yeah, our kids would be agriculture. Nope, they got a guitar. <laughs> yep. Very Sorry. S- very similar storyline here. Don't anyway, project your dreams on Not your to uh put in a personal story, <laughs> but I thought that was funny. Um, Eddie would practice for hours just like he would have his guitar strapped to his body and just walk around the house playing like whatever he heard because mm-hmm. you know he can't read music still still to the like to the day he died could not read music mm. um he once claimed his favorite was eric clapton and so he claimed that he had learned almost all of eric clapton's solos in when he was in cream note for note um and he like would prove this to people when they came over and just be like, look what I can do and just play them well, the entirety of Eric. Clapton's dude, what, what a freaking uh, conversation starter. Like, like he just comes in. He's like, you want to hear every song written by Eric Clapton? Okay, cool. Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he always said that Eric Clapton was his main influence, but Jimmy paid is more of his attitude influence, mm-hmm. which is an interesting combo. So the Van Halen brothers practice and they form their very first band, the Broken Combs, <laughs> in 1964. They played backyard parties and local high school functions. So exactly what you'd expect. Yes. They eventually changed their name to the Trojan Rubber Company. <laughs> you know what I love about this? The actual name is staring them right in the face. <laughs> right in the face. But wait, they're not even the ones who choose the name. Stay tuned. <laughs> but they decide that Trojan Rubber Company wasn't great. So they change it to Genesis. Can No, you can't <laughs> take Genesis. And it's then, already taken. Well, then they learned that there was a British band called Genesis. <laughs> so they became Mammoth. Gosh. <laughs> it's like It's like you're washing them make the wrong decisions <laughs> yes it's very very slow to get there while they were mammoth they rent a sound system um for a whopping ten dollars a night from this dude they met who just moved to pasadena from indiana named david lee roth oh i know that name yes yeah, you should know that name so david lee roth was the loquacious worldly energetic son of a local ophthalmologist at the time, he was fronting a local R&B-influenced rock band called the Red Ball Jets. <laughs> Why? Why did they come up with these stupid-ass names? I don't know, because they're teenage boys. Um, and so, partially because they wanted to save money on the $10 a night rental, they invited David Lee Roth to join as their lead vocalist. <laughs> 
And they made him audition like four times and they didn't like any of his auditions, but they were like, I picture the th- them all huddling up like, it just makes good business sense. We can't keep paying $10 a month for this or $10 a night for this. Listen, just give him a tambourine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and so in 1973, David Lee Roth is in the band and Mammoth officially changes its name to Van Halen. Which was David Lee Roth's idea. Mm-hmm. It was not the Van Halen brothers. Uh, David thought that it was a it held a long term identity. It was marketable. It kind of like rang like Santana. Mm-hmm. It made sense. There's two Van Halens in the band. Like go, get with it, guys. So in 1974, they get their solid lineup. They add Michael Sablowski on bass, and they get a major break because they're hired to pay to play at. Gazarazzi's, I hope I'm saying that right, on the Sunset Strip, which is the same bar that the Doors had broken at just hmm. like a nice. few years prior. And so they really quickly become a staple in the LA music scene. They're playing at the Whiskey A Go Go, all the all the Sunset Strip clubs. And this naturally leads into them needing to make a demo tape, which they promptly recorded. So according to a January 4th 1977 LA Times article by a guy named Robert Hilburn which is titled Homegrown Punk. Rodney Bingenheimer, I promise this is relevant, saw Van Halen at uh, Gazarazzi's in 1976 and he calls up Gene Simmons of Kiss to go see them. Nice. They're just bros I guess. And so Gene Simmons is like holy shit these guys are good. And so he pays to produce a 29-track Van Halen demo tape. Gene did? Gene Simmons did. You know, good guy Gene. He's got money. Good for him. They're selling a shit ton of merchandise. Yeah. This oh, kiss, no, no shit. The Kiss Caskets paid for... I don't yeah. know if they did. <laughs> the Kiss Caskets. I, I think the Kiss Caskets are later, but... um, That's recorded at Village Recorder Studios in LA, and then post, post-produced at Electric Lady Studios in New York. I forgot about this. While this is going on, Gene Simmons suggested that they change their band name to Daddy Longlegs. No, Gene. Gene, we just arrived at the right name. Please do not come in and change the name. Um. So they did not take his advice. Good. Thank God. I think it's because David Lee Roth kicks a lot and he has long legs. They but were, no. You know Gene was singing about woman's legs. And he's like, how can I make this a good logo? Also, do you want everyone calling your band daddy? No. no. Um, But that was all that Gene could really do to like help them kick off was to pay for the tape. Mm-hmm. He kind of tried to pass it around to his circle, but uh, Kiss's management at the time didn't want to do anything with it because they said Van Halen, quote, had no chance of making it. So Mm. that support died. So Van Morrison's lead guitarist, Doug Messenger, knew that a guy named Ted Templeman, who worked at Warner Brothers, was looking for a, quote, guitar hero act. And so he had seen Van Halen playing at the Starwood and just, like, made some calls. And when I say made some calls, he made, like, 40 calls to this guy until he finally just was like, leave me the fuck alone. I'll go check them out. Yeah. So on a horrendously rainy night in 1977, Warner Brothers executive Mo Austin, producer Tim Templeman, went and saw Van Halen perform at the Starwood in Hollywood. And apparently, 
it was like fate that they came that night because that booking was the first time they had ever hired their own roadies. Hmm. <laughs> Normally they're the ones loading and unloading their stuff. But David Lee Roth said, we wanted to come out with a little class and we couldn't be seen setting up our own stuff in Hollywood. I understand. How dare they? The di- there's different versions of this story. Some people say it was well attended. Messenger says that only a barmaid and the Warner Brothers execs were there. Who knows what the story is? But the Warner Brothers reps were so impressed that they literally wrote the band a letter of intent on a napkin from the bar. Within a week, they met with the diner, the met at a local diner with the band, their future manager, and a tour manager, and offered them a two-album recording contract. Nice. This recording contract was kind of shitty, though, <laughs> as all of recording contracts in the oh, 70s Oh, yeah, they were. never give you a good deal. No, this one's really fucking stupid. So this deal really, really, really heavily favored Warner Brothers. The The band split split amongst the four of them got 70 cents per album sold. So not even a whole dollar. They needed, personally did not get a quarter of each Jeez, album. Jeez, that's dumb. Yes. So this deal will leave the band over a million dollars in debt at the conclusion of their first tour. Holy hell. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And that's it, not counting inflation. No. I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but read your fine print before you sign your contracts. That tour was them being the support act for Journey. Hmm. The amount of like past episodes that come to play in this is very weird. Yeah, that's interesting. The group signed this deal. They record their debut album at Sunset Sound Recorders from like mid-September, early October. Mm-hmm. They recorded guitar parts for one whole week and then vocals for two additional weeks. But all these tracks are laid down with like next to no overdubbing or multi-tracking. They purposely left little tiny mistakes and like, like little weird instrument slip-ups because they wanted to give the record a live feel. So upon its release, Van Halen debut self-titled album reached number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100, which is considered one of rock's most commercially successful debuts. Yeah. That never happens That's on this really show. That's really high. Yeah, 19 on the pop music charts. This includes um, like your basic Van Halen classics, Running with the Devil, Eruption, which has arguably one of the best guitar solos in it. Um, we'll talk more about that at the end. Off this album, the band toured for nine months, opening for Black Sabbath and establishing a reputation for the live performance. So their live performance kind of hinges on two things. One is Eddie Van Halen's guitar technique. We know Eddie Van Halen is like guitar mm-hmm. god. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he kind of developed. He didn't develop. He made popular the the finger tapping, playing up and on the neck type thing that that I'll cover later. Um, but also David Lee Roth's charisma. He's running around. He's doing high kicks. He's doing basically splits. The man has endless energy and. The audience loves him. They end up returning to the studio for two weeks, like in the middle of this tour. They record their second album, creatively titled Van Halen 2. 
And they record this very similar to their de- debut. It's like full of mistakes and little nuances and yeah. weird things. I like when albums do that personally. Same. I don't like an overproduced album. No, it's 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 too squeaky clean. Yeah, like, it's way too clean. You need a little bit of authenticity to it. I want to hear a cough in the background because it's yeah. funny. It's cool. Like it's it natural. Van Halen 2 gives them their first like hot hit single, Dance the Night Away, which peaks at number 15 on the Billboard Top 100. And over the next four years, they tour nonstop. They never take more than two weeks off for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, their next album is called Women and Children First, which is a terrible name. Uh, it was released in 1980. It goes platinum. It has two hot singles. I keep saying hot singles. Two hit singles. You're, you got our our, <laughs> our uh, episodes confused. Yes. Um, and for the first time, they release a track that has an amplified Wurlitzer electric piano. Oh, nice. That complements Ed's guitar. I think that's on the women and children first. Because in 1981, they start recording the Fair Warning album. And the band starts not getting along so much. Tensions are high. Eddie wants to do like darker, more complex, experimental songs. Mm-hmm. David Lee Roth wants to make pop music and play to his his sensibilities. And so they just fight all the time. They do end up releasing a darker album than their previous, I think, four at this point. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do well. It does reach platinum status. But the record label had to pay a quarter million dollars to, like, payola stuff to make that happen. Yeah. Um, it, it did not do as well as the others. So they come up with this plan. They're going to release a cover single, and they're going to take a hiatus because they all need a break. They've been working for, like, four years straight at this point. Yeah. And so David Lee Roth and Eddie both agree, like, we're going to remake the 1960s work Roy Orbison classic Pretty Woman. And this does really well. It um, peaks at number 12. They make a music video for it that was instantly banned by MTV. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know you did it right when it gets banned. If you're curious why, because I I hadn't seen this video. So in the clip, in the, the video, the band members are dressed as a samurai, Tarzan, a cowboy, and Napoleon. Okay. They're enlisted by a hunchback to save a damsel in distress who is being tied up and fondled by two dwarves. After coming to the rescue, it's revealed that the woman is actually a drag queen. So this this revelation, the fact that she's a drag queen, plus the groping in the video, MTV was like, no, no, cannot show. No, they would be fine with the groping. It's the drag queen that finally was like, oh, Because, you know, Freddie Mercury, when they did, I want to break free. You can have one or the other. You just can't have both. You just can't have both. So um, the video, like, literally showed a couple times, and then they took it off the air. So they released Pretty Woman, and then their record label was like, "Mm, you can't take a break. Sorry. That's stupid. We don't like that. We're canceling your hiatus. That's dumb. And so they shoved him in a studio again for two more weeks to make the Diver Down LP. And they're just, like, pissed off. This time, David Lee Roth wins the battle. They do a much poppier album. There's a lot of synth. There's guitar riffs out the wazoo. And it does much better than the previous album. This 
album actually or during this album cycle they actually earned a spot in the guinness book of world records for the highest paid single appearance of a band Hmm. they were paid one and a half million dollars for a 90 minute set at steve wozniak's yes the guy who co-founded apple he just threw a 1983 festival I th- I feel like it was in his backyard because there's no context for this at all. And he just invited Van Halen. For a million and a half dollars. Wow. I mean, you have the money. He did co-found Apple. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of cool. I I feel like that may have been broken by now. It probably has. I'm sure a band has been paid more than one and a half million to show up somewhere. Um. So that show didn't go super great. The Warner Brothers guys consider this like pretty much a disaster because at the time, David Lee Roth was very heavily into cocaine, and during this performance, he forgot a lot of the lyrics. Oh, no. Which is really embarrassing for everyone involved. So this is things start to go downhill really fast here. 1984, which would be considered Van Halen's magnum opus, I believe, is released on January 9th. 1984 huge success goes five times platinum within a year this album was recorded at the newly built 5150 studios um that are owned by eddie van halen it features keyboards which they had used before but not nearly as heavy as the dun 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 dun. uh the lead single is jump which features synthesizer very heavily mm-hmm. um the lyrics were actually inspired by news coverage of a suicidal jumper which i did not know until this week nice that's dark it became their first and only number one pop hit and got them a grammy nomination other well, sing oh, what i said well that's good yeah for a song about suicide for, you know. for a very dark song that sounds very happy other singles from this album include panama i'll wait and hot for teacher all of these had very popular music videos in MTV that were not banned. <laughs> <laughs> and this is praised by critics and fans alike. It it only peaked at number two, but that's because number one was being held by Thriller. Yeah, that I was about to say it has to be a Michael Jackson. It was a hot year. Yeah, like y- you couldn't beat that. Competition was fierce. So following the 1984 tour, David Lee Roth decides to quit and form a new band. Depending on who you ask in the group, everyone gives a different reason, but pretty much all of them agree that everyone was just fighting for the the sound, the direction, and, Mm -hmm. like, no one shared a vision. So David Lee Roth left. But this kind of devastated the band because even though they've been fighting for years, they never expected him to actually quit and leave. Um, And they had been together for 11 years. It's the fuck you and I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you fight. You come back. You come back, you hug it out, and you're bros again. But mm-hmm. he just just walked out. And that just kind of ended 11 years of history. And so, at the time, the other band members did did some stuff in the press that they n- are not necessarily proud of now. But they were just reacting to it in real time. Like, yeah. I don't really blame them for what they were doing because they weren't sure how to react or what the future of the band was going to be. And so it literally came down to a coin toss that the three of them did. They were like, do we make an all-star record? Option Mm -hmm. one is, do we make an all-star record, invite someone else to do vocals, and then just call it quits? Or do we keep Van Halen and keep going? And the coin toss said, keep Van Halen and keep going. Hmm. So they got to find a new lead singer. 
So Eddie actually invited Patti Smith of the band Scandal to replace David Lee Roth, but she said no. Um, So they're still looking. They're trying to find someone. And Eddie gets introduced to Sammy Hagar in 1985 through their mutual Ferrari mechanic. (laughs) You know, because they only have one of those in California. That's the most L.A. thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Their mutual Ferrari mechanic. So let us pause for a second to introduce our boy Sammy Hagar. He's got a solo career going up at this point, Mm -hmm. and he just released a song called Can't Drive 55, where he talks about he he physically cannot go the speed limit. He has to be going fast. (laughs) This is the most ridiculous thing. This is, I love how this is pulling together. You gotta watch this video. It is the cheesiest shit you will ever see. But in this video, he's driving a car, like weaving between traffic, and gets pulled over by a California highway patrolman. So, in the MTV documentary I watched about Van Halen, he tells a story of how he got invited to join the band. So, he's driving down the highway to go on vacation in real life, and a California Highway Patrol man pulls him over for going, first of all, he was speeding. He was going 120 miles an hour down the highway. Lord! So, he did deserve to be pulled over. He's also driving the car that's used in this video. That is a top MTV hit at the time. So, like, he's very recognizable. That's funny. So, he pull, gets pulled over, and they ask, are you Sammy Hagar? And Sammy's like, yes, did you see my video? And the police officer says, yes. And he's just like, fuck. <laughs> this is not going to end well for me. And so, the cop makes him get out of the car, and he's like, sir, we have an APB out. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to radio you in. And so, he goes to radio it in. And Sammy hears three guys laughing <laughs> on the other end of the radio. That's amazing. And it's Eddie, Alex, and Michael. And they're like, hey, do you want to join our band? <laughs> that is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. You can't say no. No. You, you can't. can't. At that point, you thought you were going to jail. <laughs> Instead, you got to play in Van Halen. Exactly. Uh, you got to just take the other option. So he abandoned his vacation, turned around, went back to, I guess, back to L.A., and met with the band. That's amazing. Weirdly enough, months prior when it was announced that David Lee Roth had split, Sammy Hagar looked at his wife and said, I have a feeling the band's going to call me to replace David. It happened. Weird. He has a sight. He has a sight. Um, so it was no shock that like Sammy wanted to be in the band because not only are they top tier musicians and a hot act they're also just like kind of crazy bros and they have a great time um and they're just they're they're smart and they're funny so for instance it's it was contractually in their tour writer that each dressing room had to have a bowl of m&ms but all the brown ones had to be removed this is something someone in a movie does yeah it's become a running joke because it's ridiculous which I like when I heard that in the documentary, I was like, that's ridiculous. That's like dumb rock star shit. But then I read that according to their management and David Lee Roth, this was listed in the technical portion of the contract, not in the dressing room requirements to make sure that the venues read through what they how they wanted oh, things set that's up. Smart. So if they got to a, a venue and there was a bowl of M&Ms with 
out the brown ones, they were like, okay, we're good. We can trust this venue. But if the bowl had all the M&Ms in it, then they would be within their contractual rights to have their crew or venue reinspect the work, redo it, or even cancel the production at the expense of the venue. Oh, that's smart, actually. Lawyered. Yeah. Boom. Lawyered. That's cool. But um, there's an issue because Sammy already has a very successful solo career. Like, he's... He's done the band thing before. I don't even know right. what the band he was in was called. It didn't work out. Um, he had already gone multi-platinum and sold out his own tour. So he's like, is this like a good move for me? And so he met with this band and he's like, you know, I already have everything I could want. So that feels like a good enough reason for me to change. Yeah. I'm going to join the band. So he joins Van Halen. And the first time that Sammy comes to the studio, he and Eddie hit it off instantly there were some songs that eddie had been working on that he wanted to write with write with on write on with for, with david mm-hmm. but david like refused to come to the studio for several months so mm-hmm. he it was just riffs he had no lyrics and so within three minutes of getting to the studio sammy had already written lyrics and a melody to fit the guitar parts that eddie was working on oh that's cool it was like magic in the studio mm-hmm. um i don't really have a better place to put this so i'm just gonna put it right here when they played live they never rehearsed a show. They just improvised the entire time. Wow. And so that's true musicianship there. It though. really is. But it's also really stressful for the lighting guys yeah. who don't know what the fuck they're gonna do. Oh, one hundred percent. They interviewed one of the lighting guys and he just sits there and he still looks terrified to this day. This is like five years after the fact. He's like, I just have to figure out what Sammy's doing each night. Like, I just have to guess. Nothing is the same. Um, this leads to more than one time. The rest of the band would be playing and they look up and Sammy would be on top of the stage trusses 50 feet in the air with his guitar because <laughs> he played rhythm guitar. And they're just like, Where, where's where's Sammy? Oh, OK. There he is. <laughs> How's he going to get down? I don't know. Not my problem. Yeah. But the lighting guy can't get him up there. So that's funny. It's just funny. Um. So when Warner Brothers president Mo Austin came to visit the new lineup in the 5150 studio to hear like what they were doing. They played, why can't this be love with Eddie on keyboards? And Austin immediately said, I smell money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it was magic in the studio. They did release a new album with Sammy. It's called 5150 after the studio. I don't know why it's called that. I'm sure there's a reason. Probably should have looked it up. And this is their first number one album good for them you just needed a little change you just need a sammy it was driven by the keyboard dominated singles of why can't this be love dreams and love walks in they this is also the album where they get that iconic van halen logo where it has very iconic yeah it has the wings that wrap around interesting that was one sammy hagar they didn't have that logo no it was not a david lee roth thing um it contains there is the original one which is very similar but this one has the van halen like wrapped in a ring versus the wings just like sticking off yeah um but fans start to call the band van hagar van hagar which is so cute that's adorable because they they're a fan they they like the new change i mean not everyone liked it but you know Mm -hmm. so they toured this album and they really tried to minimize the use of roth songs in the set Mm-hmm. other than the ones like they had to play they have to play jump they have to play some of the 1989 so- or 1985 songs 
I got that mixed up with Taylor Swift for a second. And so this continued throughout the rest of Sammy's time with the band where they they would very subtly whittle away the number of Roth era songs as they wrote more stuff with Sammy. Yeah, Hager. that's smart. Uh, all f- the, this is we're talking about the period from 1985 to 1996. They did do four albums during this time and all of them reached number one on the pop music charts. Nice. 17 of the singles off these albums made it into the top 12. Even in 1996? Yes. That's impressive. Yes. I don't because know. Because there's a different music style by then. Yeah. I don't know what was going on, but people were, people love Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And the band is just, the rockumentary was filmed during this era. They're just four dudes having fun. Like, yeah, they like do that. not take themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. I th- I would totally have been a Van Halen fangirl because yeah. they just put on a good show. I think that's why they stuck around for so long into the 90s and somehow survived the grunge mm-hmm. surgeons. Um, they end up doing a lot of the score for the or the songs of the film Twister, which I didn't know. Hmm. Um, and during these sessions, things start to get a little dicey again. Van Halen, the both brothers are mad at Sammy Hagar, like things are not going great. They're in one of these recording sessions for Twister and on Father's Day, 1996, Sammy Hagar just like storms out. Uh oh. He later claims he was fired. Eddie and Alex say that he quit. So like no one really knows. They had recorded a song called "Human Humans Being," and Eddie didn't like the lyrics that Hagar wrote, and so he ended up rewriting it after he left the studio that day. Mm-hmm. But. I guess part of the reason that Sammy left these sessions is because his child was being born. So he had to go back home and be with his wife. Yeah. Which is like a fine reason to leave. Right. But they're contractually obligated to do X amount of songs for this movie. And so Eddie and Alex have to go into the studio by themselves and just come up with an instrumental fulfills this obligation that sounds like a them problem well they if, do it if they're having if he's having a child i'm sorry exempt at that point well they're also fighting but yeah they don't really want him back so they write and record the instrumental for respect the wind which is eddie playing guitar and alex playing keyboards and it ends up being nominated for best rock instrumental at the grammys that year so like it was kind of a winning situation yeah they made the best of the worst uh, but very soon after this, um, because of personal priorities and creative differences, the relationship with Van Halen and Ed- Sammy Hagar is dissolved. Mm. Conveniently at this time, the band is working on their first compilation album, like a best of Van Halen. Yeah, greatest hits. Yes. So there's a lot of debate amongst the band, amongst management, amongst the record label of how do we break this up? Do we do like a two disc thing where disc one is Roth era songs and disc two is Hagar songs? Do we like mix it up? Like mm-hmm. what are we doing? Um, and this causes David Lee Roth to call Eddie and be like, Hey, what y'all planning for this compilation? Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. And during this phone call, they got along really well. They let bygones be bygones. And Eddie invited David Lee Roth to his house slash studio. And so they enter the studio with the band and a producer and end up recording two new songs that were added to like 
you know, the bonus songs they added the yeah. best up to sell it. These are were written and recorded with David Lee Roth. That September, Van Halen was asked to present an award at the 1996 MTV VMAs. And they agreed. And so on September 4th, the four original Van Halen members make their first public appearance together. Interesting. On live TV in over 11 years. I'm sure everyone freaked out. Everyone freaked out. But it helped album sales because the compilation went number one. <laughs> yeah. That was smart. But David Lee Roth was not told Eddie and Alex were auditioning other singers. Um, while they're having this this little mini reunion over here. Yeah. Did he think he was like coming back into yes. the band? Oh, and they didn't tell him. They didn't tell him that they were still auditioning other singers. So yeah. obviously this fueled reunion rumors because why would it not? Yeah. But several weeks after this, the VMAs, uh, it was announced that Roth was out of Van Halen again. He released a statement in which he apologized to the media and the fans, stating that he was an unwitting participant in a publicity stunt by Van Halen and their manager, Ray Daniels. Mm. The next day, Eddie and Alex had released their own statement, claiming that they had been completely honest with Roth and never suggested that it was guaranteed that he was the next lead singer. Eddie later explained that um, he had initially been embarrassed by David Lee Roth's antics while on camera at the VMAs behind Beck, who was giving an acceptance speech for the award that Van Halen had given him. Immediately following this, like giving him the award, Mm -hmm. the band had been taken backstage to a press conference where press queries about a reunion were being met with Eddie saying like, I don't know. I need a hip replacement. I we would really need to record new music before we tour like this doesn't make sense and then afterwards David Lee Roth pulled Eddie aside and was like you can't say negative things about your hip and the two almost got in a fist fight so that might be why he wasn't asked to be in the band yeah we don't know would love would love a tell-all book about Mm -hmm. all this so Van Halen needs another new singer because we're out two we burnt through two two bridges burned um, so they hire Gary Sharon. He had fronted a band called Extreme that was based in Boston. Yeah, I know Extreme. They were they were popular for like four years and then they kind of mm-hmm. burn out. So he was free. So they record Van Halen three. Don't know sure. why we're sticking with that again so late in the career, but yeah, why not? Um, on this album, a lot of songs were a lot longer and more experimental than their previous stuff. It it was very different from anything they'd previously done. It was more of a ballad album than mm-hmm. like a traditional rock album. And sa- its sales sucked. It only reached gold certification. Like, yeah. it's their first album not to go platinum. They've also been at it for a long time and music is not the same. It's like 1998 at this point. Yeah, it's like not even the same. No. It's not even the same platform. No. So in early 1999, they go back in the studio to work on yet another new album. But due to creative differences, the project was scrapped. Gary Sharon left the band. Um, and none of these sessions have ever been released. It's rumored that there were over 20 songs written and recorded before wow. they scrapped it. Um, Gary Sharon later said that like he thinks maybe if the band had toured first like the already written material yeah and then recorded an album maybe they would have all creatively gelled more and like the album he worked on would have been better but um it just it didn't work out like 
but the good news is there's no bad blood between Gary Sharon and the Van Halen brothers. Well, that's like, nice. It just didn't work out. Yeah. They gave it a try. Um, so once it's announced, he's only in the band from 96 to 2000. So that's not a lot. Yeah, it's not a long time. So once he leaves, everyone immediately is like, there's going to be a David Lee Roth reunion. Like, it's coming. Yeah, they're Now's just waiting the time. on it. So Eddie, Eddie has to take a little bit of a hiatus because he does have that hip surgery, mm-hmm. despite what what um, the media may believe, in November 99. And then from 2000 to 2004, not a peep is heard out of Van Halen. No statements are made. No new music is released. Yeah. But all of them are staying busy. Um, They do reunite unofficially and very briefly and very quietly, like nothing was said. In early 2000 with David Lee Roth, they were like, let's get together and do a new album. And immediately everyone started fighting and they were like, yeah. never mind. This will not work. <laughs> JK. Um, and then things... It's now known, like, looking back, that I think the reason they were so quiet is because Eddie began receiving treatment for tongue cancer in 2000. Oh, wow. That early? Mm-hmm. I mean, he fought cancer for, like, what, 21 years? Yeah. The He had a surgery that removed about a third of his tongue. Wow. He was declared cancer-free in 2002. He actually blames his tongue cancer on his habit of holding guitar picks in his mouth. Because he uses he used metal picks, so like brass and copper picks, and he would always put them in his mouth, and in the exact same place where he always held them is where he got tongue cancer. Interesting. He said, I mean, I was smoking and doing a lot of drugs and a lot of everything, but at the same time, my lungs are totally clear. This is just my own theory, but the doctors say it's possible, which, yeah, probably putting metal objects in your mouth for years on end yeah, may cause it. could cause mouth cancer. Don't That's put metal crazy. picks in your mouth, guys. Um, so while all that's happening in the summer of 2002, we get an unlikely team of David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar <laughs> teaming up. <laughs> the, the exes. The exes. Um, they team up for a tour called Song for Song, the heavyweight champs of rock and roll tour, or as the fans called it, the Sands Halen tour. <laughs> I love that. Or the Sam and Dave tour. So this tour obviously got a lot of media attention because like yeah. you said, it's the exes. Everyone's invested in this. Um, they're both like co-headlining. They would take turns alternating who went first. Yeah. So you never knew. Like they opened for each other basically. Uh, because everyone everyone went to go to see this because they were like, this is something we never thought would happen. Like mm-hmm. we, we thought that a Van Halen tour with David Lee Roth would happen before the two of these yeah. guys are going out together. Um, which is wild. Um, and David Lee Roth just in general stays busy. He performs with the Boston Pops mm-hmm. uh, in Boston on July 4th, 2004. Sammy Hagar is doing stuff. He's He released five albums on his own in mm-hmm. this little span of like four years. Um, he even starts his own merchandising brand called Cabo Wabo. Cabo Wabo. Which is named after a line of tequila that he owned. Hmm. You know, everyone's just staying busy. So fast forward to, uh, like 2003, eventually Sammy Hagar was like, let's, let's let bygones be bygones. I'm going to give Alex a call. Mm-hmm. So he gives Alex a call. They spend the day together Two got along and they got interested in reuniting. 
So in 2004, it's announced that Van Halen and Sammy Hagar would reunite for a summer concert tour of the U.S. This tour sold out almost instantly. Wow. It grossed, in 2004, it grossed $55 million. That's crazy. It was one That's of the, a lot of money. Yeah, it was one of the top 10 grossing tours of 2004. Wow. Like, Britney's at her peak in 2004. Yeah. Britney's touring in 2004, and they're, like, outselling Britney, which is crazy. Um, but the reviews are, like, super mixed on this tour. Uh, at some shows, Eddie's son Wolfgang would come out and play guitar on the song 316 which is his birthday mm-hmm. that his, son, his dad wrote for him and like some people didn't like that for some reason i think it's Why? cute whatever That's really cute but then during as the tour went on um during the later stages eddie would come out drunk oh, he would bad. stumble he would like he, he can play guitar and he would just like act like he couldn't play guitar it was super sloppy and super messy um and then in tucson at the last show of the tour, he smashed one of his guitars, which he's not known for doing. Like, yeah, his guitars are his babies. And so after tour, like everything just goes to shit. Sammy Hagar was like, I'm not sure if I'm staying, if I'm leaving. Like he yeah. would make an official statement, even though on the website he was still listed as an official member. And then they both Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony were like yeah so that tour that was pretty rough because Eddie had like some serious problems with alcohol Mm -hmm. and it kind of affected all of us and so Sammy Hagar announced that he was quote done with Van Halen and wished that everyone would take it more seriously yeah so he's out again Mm -hmm. so what else do we speculate about at that point then David Lee Roth coming back yeah literally it's like the fans are like, huh, okay, David, your, your turn. turn. So immediately rumors spark up in 2006 and he's doing some interview. I don't know with who. And he, David Lee Roth tells the interviewer that he has recently spoken to Alex Van Halen the previous week and a re- reunion was inevitable. Hmm. This is January, 2006. In December, 2006, Eddie tells Guitar World magazine that David Lee Roth had been invited directly to rejoin the band. However, on December 28th, David Lee Roth says he has not talked to Eddie in two years. (laughs) And a reunion with Van Halen could result in a Jerry Springer style fight. That's funny. So they're still not getting along. Um, Also, at some point in 2006, I don't really know when, Wolfgang Van Halen formally joins the band with his dad as the bassist, and Michael Anthony leaves. I don't really know what happened there, Mm. but it happened. In January 2007, Van Halen was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Van Halen brothers, Michael Anthony, Sammy Hagar, and David Lee Roth were all inducted. That's good. But only Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony showed up to the ceremony. That's funny. To be fair, Eddie was in rehab, Mm -hmm. so neither he or Alex attended because that's not fair. Yeah. Um, And Velvet Revolver was the one that was slated to perform You Really Got Me, Mm -hmm. like, as the induction song. And they wanted David Lee Roth on vocals, but David Lee Roth wanted to perform Jump, and Velvet Revolver hadn't rehearsed the song, so David Lee Roth was like, fuck it, I'm not going then. Yeah. So it was just Sammy Hagar and... Michael Anthony, just chilling, chilling, and Velvet Revolver. Then finally, a year after the rumors started, 
in January 2007, it's announced via Billboard that Van Halen would reunite with David Lee Roth for a U.S. tour. It finally happened. Uh, and they confirmed this on the Van Halen website, like, same day. Yeah. So it took literally a year, but it, it happened. It did happen. So they started this tour on September 27th, 2007 in Charlotte, North Carolina. They played pretty much the entire show to sell out crowds. Got very positive reviews. Rumors do start to circulate that Eddie's back in rehab. And then multiple dates of tour get postponed. Yeah. The official reason was that he needed medical procedures, which he could have been rehab, but he also could have been getting cancer cancer treatment. treatment, Yeah. Um, There's nothing official that says what was happening. But Mm -hmm. on March 5th, 2008, CBS News reported that the reason the tour was interrupted beca- was was because Eddie needed to go back to rehab. Um, they also hinted that there had been a, quote, furious backstage bust up in Florida with mm. his 17 year old son, which had motivated Eddie to seek help once again. Oh, no. Yeah. So he and Wolfgang got in a fight. That's but it could it could have not been alcohol related. It could have just been like tensions were high. But yeah. we don't know. So he does an interview with the Guitar World in 2008, and he's talking about the upcoming Eddie Van Halen Wolfgang guitar that Fender's making. Mm-hmm. Eddie says, they ask him, of course, like, what about new music? Because that's what every interviewer asks. And he says, I'll be making music until the day I die. I've done all kinds of stuff, and more is coming. I can't tell you exactly when right now, because Wolfgang is in the 12th grade, and he needs to graduate first. He was in the band and in yes! 12th grade? Yes, he was in doing school and was in the band for, like, years holy cow two years i guess because he joined 2006 so he joined when he was in 10th grade which is crazy that is crazy uh so wolfgang needs to graduate first i'm getting married in june and we'll pick it after after that so they end up going into the studio in like early 2011 and the producer like breaks the internet because he posts to his twitter account that he's in the studio and posts a picture of one of eddie's signature guitars or signature amps Mm mm-hmm and so everyone gets super hyped. There's new music because this new album would be the first full length Van Halen album since 1998. This is 2008. Mm-hmm. No, 2011. Sorry. 2011. And the first new music from the band since the three new songs back in 2004 when they did another compilation. It would also be the first Van Halen album to feature Wolfgang on bass in place Aww. of Anthony. And would be the first full-length album to feature David Lee Roth on vocals in 27 years. That's crazy. As a fan, this is like your wet dream. Yeah. If you've been following them for years. Like, all the pieces are falling into place. So, it's called A Different Kind of Truth. And it was released a year later on February 7th, 2012. And they, obviously, they have to tour this record. Why would they not? Mm -hmm. And because it's now 2012... Average ticket prices are $150, and it sells out in every arena that they're playing. Jeez. Because Van Halen has sticking power, baby. Yeah. Um, In May 2012, Rolling Stone reports that they're actually going to end up postponing all the remaining tour dates, um, starting with June 26th in New Orleans. Shortly thereafter, the Van Halen News Desk, which is apparently their official news site, Okay. Revealed that band members are all in good health. No one was fighting. And the reason that the tour dates were postponed was because they just needed a break. They're getting older. Yeah. They need an 18 month 
They also should plan those breaks. Yeah, probably not canceling a tour yeah, would be a great you way. should have thought about that a little bit. Like, take a week break between two or three shows. Yeah. But no, they that's all or nothing with this band. Mm. Um, they had been working for 18 months straight. They are getting older now, and this is taking a toll. Yeah. So they, they indefinitely postponed the tour, but then later in that summer, all the postponed dates are listed officially canceled. But then it kind of works out because in August 2012, Eddie gets diagnosed with diverticulitis, which is like an intestine inflammatory thing, and has mm-hmm. to go and like emergency surgery. So they would have all gotten canceled anyway. Yeah. Um. So that's that's fine. On March 24th, 2015, Van Halen announced a 39 tour date with David Lee Roth to like take place of the previous tour that got canceled. Everyone's yeah. back. Everyone's ready to roll. And... He tells Rolling Stone that the band is probably going to hunker down for a bit and do a studio record after that tour finishes, which they do, I think, maybe. I don't know. I'm skipping ahead. Um, oh, no, they don't do. Sorry. I, I lied. They do not do because on September 30th, 2019, um, David Lee Roth is doing a lot of solo stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. This is actually when I saw him. I saw him in January 20. 2020 opening for kiss oh okay full circle moment he's yeah. opening for the guy that started their band um but he is interviewed because he's doing the solo shows and he says you know i think van halen's finished it's just it's it's, it's also done. been going for a long time but then like literally that same month or i guess a, a month or two later sammy hagar is interviewed and he says until ed or alex die they're not finished my dream is that the band can reunite with myself and Anthony um, and tour with like the original lineup just one more time. Yeah. Unfortunately, Sammy Hagar did not get to live that dream and no one got to deliver reunion tour because kind of out of the blue, it was announced in October 2020 that Eddie died of a stroke at St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California on October 6th. Um, he was surrounded by his wife his current wife, Janie, um, his son, and at the time, bassist of Van Halen Wolfgang, his ex-wife, Valerie Bertinelli, and his brother, Alex. Later that night, his son, Wolfgang, confirmed his death on social media. And then in an uh, interview in November with Howard Stern, he basically confirms that Van Halen is over because you cannot have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. So they kind of, they didn't really plan on stopping, but... It kind of just had it, to. It kind of just happened. Um, so let's not end on a sad note. Let's let's talk about the legacy and just Eddie's guitar playing because Eddie is the backbone of Van Halen. Right. Van Halen, despite all their controversy and their drama, they're just a fun band. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they're just bros hanging out. They just don't always mix with other people. Um, some article I read described... David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen's relationship as oil and water. They don't get along. They had many fights and problems, but as a fan, they were fun to watch because no matter how bad it got, the music always brought them back together. Yeah. Like even at the end, like they reunited with him, what three times mm-hmm. they probably had Eddie not died. I think they were reunited again. Let's be real. Um, even if you were unfamiliar with Eddie Van Halen or his band, You've you've heard of his guitar skills somewhere. He was 
everywhere at the time that people were recording. He's actually featured in Michael Jackson's song Beat It from Thriller. Hmm. I didn't know that. I couldn't remember if I mentioned it in our 500 albums Is he or the not. one who does the riff? Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's credited. Or if he is, it's not like a widely announced fact. It's not yeah. Michael Jackson featuring Eddie Van Halen. Right, right. Um, when he spoke at an event at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History in 2015, Eddie described his life as the American dream, saying, we came here with approximately $50 and a piano, and we didn't speak the language. Now look where we are. If that's not the American dream, what is? Yeah. Which I, I love. Those are good words. Um, and like I mentioned, his solo interruption was voted the number two, voted number two in the Guitar World's readers' polls of the 100 greatest guitar solos. I actually don't know what number one is. Probably should have looked it up. Um, and so Eddie had like the weirdest, at the time, the weirdest guitar technique because he did what's called tapping where he has yeah, finger tapping on the yeah yeah both left and right hands but if you think about it and i didn't think about it until some article pointed out he started as a classical pianist it makes sense you use both hands right he played it like a piano it really on when you first said it he did piano i was like i understand where he went with that yeah it makes so much sense like he wasn't the one to invent it um i talked about this somewhere in here steve hackett of genesis is actually credited with with doing it before Eddie, uh, which is ironic considering they named their band Genesis. And but didn't, he didn't know. Didn't know Genesis was yeah. the thing. But um, he and Steve kind of mutually agree that like Eddie's the one who popularized it. Because after Eddie starts doing it, everyone starts yeah. doing it. Like it's the thing. Also, like he probably wasn't aware that he also did it. They just both had the same idea. Uh, I Eddie gives credit to Steve. Okay. Well, that's nice. Um, So... Let's talk about his guitars for a hot second. He loved to just mess with the guitars. His most like famous guitar is his Frankenstrat. It's the red one with the white and black mm-hmm. stripes. Like you know what it looks like, whether you know what it looks like or not. Um, he custom built it. The maple neck cost a whopping eighty dollars. Nice. The body he bought for fifty dollars because the wood had a knot in it, and they wanted to get rid of it because it was sure. ugly. He took the tremolo arm from a discarded 1958 Fender Stratocaster, but then later replaced it with something else. And he, depending on his mood and what sound he wanted, he would frequently change up the neck and the pickup configuration to just like... That's cool. Keep tweaking with it. Yeah. Until he got his vision. Um, It was originally painted black, but he painted it with bicycle paint in 1979. Like he did that paint job himself. Um, when they were recording Van Halen 2, he built a second parts caster, is what he called it, guitar, mm-hmm. which had a black and yellow striped paint job, which everyone called the Bumblebee guitar, Yeah, which was later donated to Rita Haney, longtime partner of Dimebag Daryl, yep. and was placed in his casket and buried with him. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they're all the episodes yeah, are all coming, connected. coming full circle. So, like I said, um, Steve Hackett was credited with, like, inventing tapping, but Eddie popularized it. Um, and instead of doing these long, crazy, meandering solos that followed a blues scale, Eddie's solos were the melody. And that was the first time that anyone really did that in music. Obviously, now it's, like, it's like a normal thing to have yeah. that. But before then, the solos it were wasn't just... really done. They were just there to, like, add some spice. They were so innovative that a new way of writing music 
tablature was created to convey what Eddie was playing. Really? Yes. Van Halen is the reason we have tabs. No way. Yes. That's so cool. I did not know that. I didn't know it either. I just thought it was always a notation for guitar. No, not until... Because Van Halen, you had to interpret it. Van Halen. That's crazy. Not until Eddie. Um, I had another point in here that I didn't put in here that I wanted to make, and that was... Oh, when Eruption came out, and that has that epic guitar solo, Mm. it became... If can you imagine if we had TikTok when this came out, every bro with a guitar in their room would just be, y'all want to hear the the eruption solo? Yeah, like <laughs> that's like whenever uh, what you call Dragon Force in Fire and Flames. Yes, it's literally the same. thing. It would have been the exact same thing. So instead, they had to do the beta version where they're like, "Hey, you want to come hear me play Eruption? <laughs> okay, cool. Come on." <laughs> um. So I wanted to end on the note with like. Even though Eddie is arguably one of the greatest guitar players of all time, the thing that stands out is he's always smiling. Like, there are clips of him experimenting and many articles describing sometimes he couldn't even believe he was playing. Like, it was, he didn't know what was coming from. It was like a sheer inspiration and he'd make a noise and he'd be, he'd just like giggle like a little boy and be like, ha ha, I know I can make that noise. That's cool. And he just. He was so happy. He was so guitar. enamored in yes. his instrument. He was made to play guitar. And so that is the story of Van Halen. That's a good story. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shewillrocky.com. There you'll find our socials, show notes, Contact us and our merch. Other than that, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.